And I pray as he comes up here tonight that uh, you'll just instill in him what you uh, want him to pass on to us and to be able to just let it impact our hearts and be able to go here from here and live for you. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Check, check, one, two. Corbin, when I came to this group, were you going into the sixth grade? Yes, I came in. Right, right when you were going. I didn't go to the first camp you went to, but my first youth camp. But you were in my my youth group from the get go, really. Mm -hmm. Yes, you're you're one of the 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 few, right? Because we didn't have a whole lot back then. Were were you around? You you it was y'all too. That's it, because our our middle school groups would be so little, right? I just I had someone ask me. I've I've been here. This has almost been, who else? Lauren Cook, too. That's right, because, y'all, we would have a small group. I was trying to figure it out. I'm getting old, so I can't keep, keep, keep track. Was there anybody else? David? He wasn't here. Not when I, I first came. That's right. He's in that class, but, but, but yeah, because you came like two years, or a year, about a year afterwards, right? You and, and, uh, and, and Fat Stephen at the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true too. Wasn't it? I, I won't go say that because you're here. I could. He's not here, so I could say it. no. Um, but I was. I someone a, a, asked me, "Have you had it, 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 any groups here go all the way through from sixth grade on?" And I thought because I the, the, y'all y'all are like my first group to have all the way through. So I, I just sort of had a nostalgic nostalgic feel, feel feeling there right at the end of the song. I went, "Oh, cor- no, Corin, Okay, I'm good now. You know that God works in mysterious ways. Do you believe that? Because if you ever, I find this, if I ever expect God to act the way I think he will, it never occurs that way. But usually it's for the better and it's for my better. You know, I've been doing youth camps. This will be, I believe, the 20th year that I will have set up and run my own youth camp. I I started when I was six. I'm 26 now. And, um, and I've never had a youth camp go the same way. I go in there expecting God to do one thing, and he always moves in a different way, but it's usually, well, I can say it's what my group needs, and it's really usually far from what I expected or hoped or even asked him to do. He, he works in needs that I can't see. I um, When I was a young man, some, some of you have heard this story, I went to a place called Tanzania, Africa. So on the east coast of Africa. I went there for a summer to serve. And um, this story, I don't know, it probably hadn't been real long, but I couldn't help but not share it. Um, again, tonight, some of you will know this. When I went there, I was excited. I was probably 20 at the time, going to go, go serve there for 10 weeks. And I was excited because I was going to get to go in there and go in places where, um, where the, the kids had not ever even seen a white man before we were like in the bush i mean like we were we slept on in mud dung huts i woke up once and something was biting my armpit that was huge and i grabbed it and i squashed it and threw it off and i went back to sleep and i woke up and my arm was like this because the the lymph node was all swollen for like three days i'm thinking uh, so it was bad and and the the small kids had been told that the the white man would would suck their blood, and, and that's why we were white. We, we, we would suck their blood away, and we, we would turn them white, and they would be like zomb- zombies. So 
some of them were scared of us, and but then they would warm up to us, and then you just go, ah, and they would freak out and go run. It was pretty fun. Probably not something I should have done. I've learned now, probably not the best thing. Um, but I was going to get to go there and, and, and preach and teach there in places that the gospel had not been shared much at all, if it had at all. And I was excited about that, but I was excited because for the first time in my life, I was going to get to go to a place, and I was going to have an interpreter with me, and they would not know that I stuttered at all. I could stutter all day long in front of this crowd, and they would just think I'm speaking English, and blah, 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 blah. you're right when you understand what they're saying. And my interpreter would speak for me, and it would be fluent and smooth. I thought, dude, this is freaking awesome. You know, this is, this is for a stutter, that's, that's a dream. You want to be able to talk clear. I mean, it's just, and there's no pressure, there's no stress. Especially as a young man, it was much more stressed. Now I just don't care. You just got to take the time and just, just wait it out, bro, wait it out. It's something sort of good in there, maybe, if God is at work. And um, so I went there, and I met this guy who's going to be with us all summer. His name was um, Scout. Cool guy. We're getting to chat some. So I'm on a, a team of about five of us, and really about four of us are going to go, really about a team of ten, four of us were going to go into this bush and do all this work. And so I pulled Scout aside one of the first days, and I go, Scout, I just want to let you know that I stutter. I don't stutter all the time as we talk, but in front of a crowd, I can really sort of cinch up and have a rough time. Uh, so I don't want you to freak out. Just interpret it smooth, and uh, dude, we'll be great. And Scout turns to me and goes, uh, that's okay. He said, I st- 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 stutter too. <laughs> no lie. No lie. I go halfway around the world to preach fluently, and God gives me a stuttering interpreter. And I said to Scout, dude, why in the world are you an interpreter if you stutter? And he goes, well, why are you a preacher if you stutter? I went, touche. And, and so, so I stuttered in Swahili all, all summer as we preached to, to the crowds, thanks, thanks to this guy. I think God's amazing. I think he's got a sense of, of humor. I had a plan. I had a hope. He had a plan that, as I look back, was far better than I. And, and it was really neat to work with this guy, Scout. Uh, we're going to come back sort of to the way we, God works because we think he's supposed to work this way. And we'll see in this text that we see, there's an impression of how we expect God to work. And he does something that makes no sense at all. Um, Kendi, is your head okay? She just slammed her head in the back wall. She was like, angry. No, I'm kidding. All right, so turn to 2 Kings chap, 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 chapter 5. Second Kings 5, and let me encourage you, in here, bring your Bibles, bring your Bibles. We will use them every week, and it's, it, it, it might be good for some of you to just get the dust off of it, you know, sitting at the house all the time. That was low blows. Y'all don't take stuff well tonight at all. Y'all are like, okay, we'll get the dust off of it. Second Kings chapter 5, we're going to read through the whole text. And then we're just going to teach through the text. I don't have a whole lot more stories because this text is a story. So we're going to sort of teach the story and see what um, is in it for us. I'm going to ask you to stand uh, as we read God's word together this first time through. It's a, a lot of text, uh, so uh, it'll be on the screen as well, I believe. Is that right, Sydney? We got it on the screen? Okay, perfect. It's not, gonna, it's, it's not really all on the screen, right? Well, oh, it's on yours. Mine's not. It's all good. Ignore me. All right, let's read. 
Second Kings 5, verse 1. Naaman, co- commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high fa- favor, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, would that my Lord were with the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his, his Lord thus, and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, when this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman, my, 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 my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, am I God? to kill and to make alive, that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy. Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to to the king saying, why have you torn your your clothes? Let Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came and with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. Verse 10, uh, and Elisha sent a a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away saying, behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. But his, his servants came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be, and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, and he and all his company. And he came and stood before him, and he said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all of the earth but in Israel, so accept now a present from your servant. That was a lot of text. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for tonight. We thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. Uh, I thank you for the gift of your son. Lord, we just ask that you will uh, open our eyes uh, of just our hearts to understand your truth uh, and give us the courage to respond to your truth. In Jesus' Jesus name we pray, amen. All right. Has anybody here ever met a leper before? Anybody here? No one is. I, I know my, my, my kids have. Yep, okay. You go, your kids have met a leper. Let me tell you a, a, weird, a weird story. Um, my dad 
was diagnosed with leprosy less than a year ago. He's 75. He, uh, they believe the strain that he has, there's only 53 cases in the U.S. There is very treatable in nowadays. It wasn't back then. There's only 53 cases in the U.S. They believe that when he was in the Navy, that he picked it up when he was in China somehow with a cut that he got in 1959. And my dad has worked hard for a living. Doc's been in great shape. But as he's aged, as you age, you, 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 you lose strength. And they think as he's finally aged, it's begun to show itself uh, because he's just, he's just getting older. And so he's now on this bout of crazy stuff. And I was like, when he told me, I was like, what? Leprosy? No one gets that anymore. But it's still real. And, and the, the truth is this. When I was in that same tri- trip, when I was, met that guy, Scout, who, who interpreted for me and stuttered, we were in places where I, I, I met and, and um, worshipped alongside uh, folks that had le- 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 leprosy. And what it is is that the circu- circulate doesn't work right and so the blood doesn't go to your limbs and and you begin to lose your your fingers your extremities where your 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 fingers and your toes and um and and your nose and uh it you get sores and it it will slowly kill you uh and it's you know it can be spread so if you're a leper Folks don't want to be around you a whole lot because they would prefer not to get it. If you became a, a, a leper back in these days, a lot of times there was a point to where you were cast out from the rest of the group and you were, you were made to live off and die with a, col- col- a colony of le- lepers. Very awful disease. It was a death sen- sentence. And not only that, but you were... Living, but but made disgusting and taken away from all that you love. So th- 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 this is a is a big deal. Look here at the start of this story again in verse one. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria. He he's a great great man, evidently, and lead, lead, leader. He's in charge of the arm, arm, army, and it says. Uh, uh, in, in high favor because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was evidently a great mind and a very strong leader. He was a mighty man of valor. And then this last twist, but he was a leper. Whoa, he was a, a, a leper. And um, I've, got, I've got six points, okay? And, and the first point we see in his life is he's got a defeating problem. Naaman's got a defeating problem. This is too big for him to fix. In truth, anyone that he knows to fix. There's going to be a point when he's going to be cast out and he's going to die from the disease that he has. He is well re- he's been well respected, but there's going to be a point when he's not and when he is just falls apart. We don't know at what stage he was, but we know that he was a, le- a, le- a leper at this time. Now it says here in verse 2, now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. Now it it it, it, it Israel and um and and Syria or Aram it's called as well at the time had been at peace for three years, but 
before that, they'd been at war quite a bit. And so she had been attacked. They attacked a city. They took everybody from there, and they made them their own, and they brought them in to serve. So she's, she was stolen from Israel, and she's now in, the, in, in Syria, and she works for Naaman's wife. Works for is what I mean is she's a slave or servant girl there. That's what her life is about. And even in the, in the midst of this, look at what she says in verse 3. She's there, not by her own choice, but she's still evidently, and Naaman seems to be a great man who the Lord, um, we don't know much about him, but it seems like he was a man of honor and respect because it says the Lord was with him. And I don't know a whole lot of where the Lord is with someone when they, they don't do what is right in front of, of God. Um, she said to her mistress, this is Naaman's wife, she says, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and he told his Lord, and the king of Syria said, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing. Okay, we see something here. We first see a defeating problem. He's got leprosy. He can't do anything about it. The, the second thing we see is that he has a desperate plea. Desperate plea. Do you understand that they all of a sudden hear that there's hope in the land of their former enemy, who they skirmish with and they aren't, aren't really at peace with, but that's where his hope is. And he's got to go to his former enemies to get help. If that's not desperate, I don't know what is. He, he's in, in, in bad shape. So it says in, in the text, we're not going to read all the text again, but it says that he goes to the king of Israel. Now, all that gold and silver that he has, it's worth probably in t t today about 80 grand. Okay, that's sort of the golden, he's bringing that just going, hey, this is the thanks for the help. And, and that's what his king and everything have, have given him to bring 80 grand worth of stuff. I would like to have 80 grand worth of stuff. Would you? That'd be nice. So he goes to the king. The king of Israel thinks this is a trap. They're trying to start a war again. What am I going to do? And he starts to freak out. That's when Elisha comes in the story and talks to the king and says, gets word that the king is freaked out. And why? He says, hey, king. Let's show that there's a God in Israel by helping them out. God is in this. That's what he says. So we see a defeating problem. We see a desperate plea. Let's look at this next part. Verse 9. So Naaman came with his horse and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored and you shall be clean. Now, point three, if you notice, we've got a defeating problem, a desperate plea. So we're going with the DP thing here, right? So we've got a divine plan. Elisha says uh, to his messenger, hey, go out and tell him. So Elisha doesn't even go out of the house. He sends, hey, the one who serves here and works here, hey, go tell him to wash himself in, in the Jordan seven times, dip down seven times, and you will be clean. And so let me tell some, you something about the Jordan River because we think, oh, well, that's not bad. 
The Jordan River at that time, disgusting. Muddy, nasty, sewagey river. Hey, hey, you with lep, 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 leprosy. I say that so y'all pay attention. Leprosy. Hey, with open sores. Hey, go, go get in the septic tank over there and soak down seven times. Woo! Now, I said my first one, I call this a, a divine plan. He looked at this as like a, a deranged proposition. Huh, you like that? So he said, that divine plan, that's not divine plan, it's a deranged, are, are, you, are you smoking something? That's what he, he, he's going to, his reply is going to be, because it makes no sense at all. Anybody, if you get a cut in your hand, don't go put it in the toilet, okay? No, that will not help you out. That makes no sense at all. It's, it's crazy. Verse 11, but Naaman was angry angry, and we sort of see why, and went away saying, behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash them and be clean? So he turned away and went away in rage. Man, he is, is mad. So we had a Defeating problem, we had a second point, desperate plea. Third point, divine plan, which was a deranged proposition. And right now we have a destructive pride, right? He's angry. He's come for help. He's been told, this is the guy that can help you, and he hears what it is. And look what it says. He's not just mad about what he's told him to do. He's mad that... Hey, that guy didn't even take the time to come out here and see me. The prophet has told him what to do to be made whole and, and, and better. And he is ticked because, you know what? He didn't come out and see me, and he didn't say these great words and didn't wave his hand like this and go, woo, and everything to be right. Destructive pride. We get that way, too. You know what I'm saying? When we want God to work in a certain way, and he doesn't he says no we're going to go this way but but this is what i've been i've been praying that that this girl would date me for 17 years you know right i mean we we get mad and then um not long past that we're like oh dear god thank you so much that you saved me from that i mean there's i've had that case in my life it wasn't 17 years but hey you know the story well I'm, i'm not there yet so okay I wrote that note in, in, in the wrong place. Destructive pride, right? You got me? So we've got a, I, I want these things to stick. A defeating problem, a desperate plea, divine plan, which is a deranged proposition, a destructive pride, and let's read on in verse. Oh, don't read on yet. Stop, stop. Wow, I'm already there. You know what I, I love about God, God, God's ways? They're not our ways. You know, in the word of God, he says that the last shall be first. He says that the, um, the least of these will be the greatest. He says, uh, in order to lead, you've got to serve. Uh, in order to live your life, for me, you've got to lose your life. 
understand. That doesn't make it. What? It's what the world says. It's totally against what the world says for us to do. Do you know that um, even when times are tough, he says give. Be a cheerful giver, even if you're, you're, you're strapped. What, who does he say has more faith than all the rest of them? The widow who gives her last two, bit, uh, two mites that aren't worth much to the world, but was all she had. He says, ah, oh, she's the one that's got faith. That doesn't make any sense at all. You know, even in Ephesians 5, you've heard it preached here if you've been in church where it says, you know, and we've talked about wives to be submissive to your husband. <gasps> what? But just right past that, it says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. And when a man, girls, loves you like Christ loved the church, and that's what you should look for and not settle for anything else, when he loves you like that, submission it isn't a thing that's disrespectful or derogatory. It's a thing that you're protected and you're loved and you're safe. And he's, he loves God more than anything else. And he's looking out for you. And you walk together in this life as partners in truth. But the world goes, no, 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 that's not the way it works. So he's got a destructive pride because washing in the Jordan, that makes no sense. My source, this is not going to help me. They want to kill me. I don't know if he had a great role in, in the because the, they had this big fight, and evidently they won a lot of the fight against Israel at the time because they took some of their Israelites and they took them to be their slaves. Verse 13, it says this, because he's mad. He's going back home. Dude, forget this. Forget it. I'm, I'm going home. And destructive pride will do that even with us. When, when, when God says, hey, move this way, a lot of times we run the, the wrong way because we're like, no way. Uh-uh, I'm doing my own thing. And this happens, but his, 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 his servants came near and said to him, my father. And can I tell you all, when you look at text, when you read the text, even that tells you a lot about the character of the man who he is. Because a, a servant who calls him my father is one who is, is, is loved by the master. Just don't miss that. When you read the text, look for that stuff. My, 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 my father, they say this, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? You know, the story reminds me a lot of the story of the rich young ruler who, who, who goes and says, says rep, 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 Rabbi, what must I do to be saved? He says, hey, follow the commandments. And he says, I, I follow them all. I follow them all. What, 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 what must I do? And, and he says, hey, give up all you have and, fo- and follow me. Give, give it all the poor. And it says that the rich young ru- ruler went away sad, but he went away. And I, I wonder in that story if there had been someone like this, this servant who got in Naaman's way and said, whoa, 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 whoa wait, wait a second. This is what he said to do. Someone that had spoken up in the story of the rich young ruler. How could that have possibly changed his life in that story in great ways? Point one, there's a defeating problem. Then there's a desperate plea. There's so many of these things I get so confused on. There's a divine plan, which is a deranged proposition, which he has destructive pride. And we see right here, in the, the servant, a daring participant. A daring 
participant. How often do we need to be in somebody's life, and I'm talking about right now in the youth group or in the church that are struggling and starting to point away, how often do we just need to go up and speak up, not in front of a crowd, but one-on-one going, hey, man, I'm worried. Man, God has got such a plan for your life. Sometimes those simple words in itself can, can steer someone. Hey, man, look out. Look out where you're going. Daring, we're called to be daring participants in lives around us. If we're not, we're just robotic drones like everybody else. And if, if you want to settle it and be a robotic drone just to get by, that's great. But you, you're going to, you know, safe for now, but you're going to look back going, oh, and I wish I would have done, at least tried. You're not called to change the way they go. You're just called to speak up. I love the daring par- participant here. And then it says this. Has he actually said you wash and be clean? That's the end of 13. Verse 14 says this. So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. His flesh, wait, wait, wait. His flesh that was decaying was restored like a little child. Have you ever felt the face of like a little kid? You know, just soft. It was fresh and new. So point, point five there, you've got a daring participant in the servant. And can I tell you this? You've got a daring partic- participant in Naaman. Because you've got one that spoke up to go, hey, you need to, 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 to think about what he said to you. And we had one that said, okay, I'll do it. And can I tell you, to follow God in faith, you've got to be a daring participant. You will never follow him in faith and not be a daring participant. That's part of faith. You don't know how this is going to turn out, but you're going to fight the best way that you can and do what you can. Verse 15 says this, Then he returned to the man of God, and he and all his company. And he came and stood before him, and he said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. So accept now a present from your servant. We had a, a defeating problem a desperate plea, a divine plan. Well, that was a deranged proposition and a destructive pride. We had two daring part- part- participants, and we have a decisive pro- proclamation. Dude, his life has changed. And it goes on to talk more, and we're going to look at this a little bit next week on how it was changed. Some lives were changed for the good, and some lives chose to not be changed for the good. And I encourage you all, read on through the rest of Second Kings 5, and see where we're going next week. A decisive prop proclamation. And you know what? If the daring participant or servant hadn't sp- spoken up, I don't know if this story would end. I don't think it would have ended or shown the way that it did. Man, life has changed. Can I tell you, as I wrap this up, um, we all have a defeating problem. It's called sin. We all have it. And there's a point where you get to where you go, I cannot fix myself. I cannot get this right ever. And that's when we have a desperate plea. Man, I, I know that's a desperate plea to God. God, I, I, I need help. And God had a divine plan that in some ways we look at it as a, a, a deranged proposition. He sent his son, Jesus, to live a perfect life 
but to be nailed to a cross and to be beaten and flogged. And as he was on that cross, our sins were put on it, and God turned his back on his son because his son became disgusting and impure, and God is pure. And that's deranged in some ways. I cannot grasp that with my kids. But it was a divine plan of God. And you know what? We say to ourselves a lot of times, man, that can't be enough, not for what I've done. You don't, you don't understand what I've, I've done. And so we have this destruct, destructive pride, like, like, like what we can do is bigger than what God can do. No, God is so much bigger. And he calls us to be a daring participant and by faith, put our faith in Christ and follow him with our life. And when we become a daring participant, then we have a decisive proclamation of, of who Christ is. And we were called to, like we talked about last week, be the light. That, that's what this text is, is all about. And you know what? In, in life, you're going to have things that will beat the tar out of you. And there's sometimes that God will, will, will begin to move and to work and to change and adjust it. For me, throughout my life as a young man, the thing I begged God to fix that was a defeating pr- problem in my life and a desperate plea was my speech. You know, I roll with it real well especially now as I've aged, because it sort of made me who I am. But, man, I would beg God, God, would you please just take this away? But through the years that I've worked and served in churches and talked with folks, God's got a divine plan, even with the way that I talk. And it's affected lives around me, even that I did not know for his honor and his glory. And when I got this destructive pride out of the way and said, okay, God, I will do whatever you do. I will speak wherever you say speak, no no matter how I look or feel, I'm going to do it. And I just to be not one full of pride, but a participant. And uh, can I tell you, it's the best thing I've ever done. Can I tell you now, I would hate for God to take my stutter away from me now. That makes no sense at all. But this is my problem. My stutter keeps me in check like nobody's business. I think so much of Dan at times, and then all of a sudden I walk up someplace and I can't say my name or can't order a hamburger at the drive-thru and just want to cuss. Okay, it's maddening. It's maddening. And so when I'm thinking like I'm all that in a bag of chips and then I can't say the word the or a, a is one letter. How can you not say one letter? Really, it knocks me down really, really quick. And if that's what it takes for me to be one with humility uh, and keep my pride in check, I still have issues of pride, but that helps me an awful lot. Then let me keep that. If it's going to keep me closer to God, let me keep keep it. So sometimes the defeating problem that you have, God wants to use to make you more like his son. Sometimes God is going to work in your life and take that away. And, and he might do it in a wild way. He might do it in just a simple way. Uh, my prayer for you is this. Man, let's have faith. Let's be daring participants in God's plan. All right? Let, let's pray, and we're going to be dismissed tonight. Dear God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for Naaman uh, and uh, that he had someone in his life to steer him in the right way. And, Lord, help us to be pe- people that are, are um, that speak up, 
that. Speak up and point others to you. Help us to be bold when we're scared. Uh, and Lord, I get scared all the time. Uh, help us to be bold. Uh, in J- Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's a lot of sign-ups over there. Make sure you, you, you hit that if you're interested in any of that we're doing. And have a great week.